0: welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon and the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 16 of Process to Profitability. Today I am talking with Ashley Cox of Sprout HR all about building a team that supports your business mission. We covered some great topics including how to hire for a small business, how to set up that process, including creating a really great job description and how you can create an interview that is going to find you the right person for the job. We also talk a little bit about the difference between contractors and employees and about how you can hire an intern for your business. Ashley Cox is the HR partner for creatives at Sprout HR, where she helps you hire, train, and lead your thriving team, all with confidence and heart. She loves to make the scary and overwhelming parts of hiring and leading a team simple, actionable, and fun so you can feel more at ease in your business and get the help you need. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn a lot as you are considering growing your team for your business. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for joining me. Hi Samantha, thanks so much for having me. I read your professional bio at the beginning of the show, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Absolutely. I am so excited
1: to be here today and chatting with you about uh, a little bit of all the HR business things. So my background is I spent about 10 years in corporate. Uh, I spent A couple of years in leadership and uh, most of my time in human resources and so I come from the corporate world to the creative world uh, because I actually went into the creative world in photography and that's when I learned about all of these online businesses and once I got into the business I really started to see an opportunity to serve creative businesses with human resources. And that there really wasn't a whole lot of people doing that particular type of work. And it was kind of a perfect merriment because I've always been a really creative person and I never really fit into that traditional corporate HR type of position as far as, um, you know, being super buttoned up and you know, uber professional, and I just wanted to have fun, and I, I wanted things to be enjoyable. And I feel like HR can be fun for your business, so I'm really excited to be serving in this space because it's it connects me to people that I really connect with naturally, and gives me the opportunity to help them with things that they don't really have access to, and they don't, um, you know maybe have a point person for and to really just kind of come alongside them like you read in my bio that and just be a partner for them. Um, so that's kind of how I came into this uh, creative online HR world. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to know where I came from, physically from. I am a West Virginia raised girl, and I am super proud of my home state. Love being from the beautiful state of West Virginia. Um, I'm currently living in Northeast Tennessee, though. My husband and our dog, Mila and I have all traveled around to about four or five different states in the last handful of years. And uh, we really love Northeast Tennessee, but I love working with clients from all over the U.S. and just getting to network and, and be in this online space uh, and meeting people all over the the world, Uh, you know, people in Australia and the Netherlands. And, uh, you know, my business bestie lives in Texas. And so this is just such a a wonderful space to be in. And to think that a small town girl from a little town that probably nobody's ever heard of in southern West Virginia uh, could, you know, be making friends with people all over the world uh, through this really cool online business space is such a joy and such an excitement
0: for me. Yeah, the online business space has really opened up a lot of connections, and I feel like I always meet people from different parts of the world, and yet we have such like similar pieces to our story, or we've, you know, our, sto- our lives have overlapped somehow, and I think that's such a cool part of all of this.
1: Absolutely. I-, I-, I agree. I think that people try to think that they're so different from each other, and really we're all just doing the same thing. We're trying to pursue those dreams and, uh, you know, live the lives we really want to live and be good people. Uh, I, I really believe that most people genuinely just want to be good people and put good out into the world. And you really see that when you're able to connect with folks from all over the world.
0: Yeah. So how did you go from doing your photography business on the creative side to like including or starting the HR side of your business for creative entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, it was kind of a weird transition, right? <laughs> I, you know, I think like a lot of creatives, you kind of try things out until you find what what works the best for you. Uh, that combination of, if you think about the Venn diagram, what do I do that I'm really good at? What do I do that I really love? And what can I do that helps other people? And that little sweet spot in the middle is is where I find myself right now. And although I loved photography, I was really good at photography. It's not something that I've necessarily enjoyed um, serving others with. It's more of a personal hobby. Uh, When I got into that business, I thought that that because I loved that, because I was passionate about it, because I was good at it, that those were all the key elements, but then when I got into it, I was like, "Oh, but I don't like doing this for other people." And so it was it was about eight months that I had my photography business in full swing, and I was really working hard at it. And all that time, I had never been in this online world before. And so all that time, I was like, what are all these businesses out here? And what are they doing? And and how are they working with each other? And and what are their questions? And how are they interacting with, with each other? And all through that time, I kept finding myself over and over and over answering questions in these Facebook groups about HR because I'd spent so much time in human resources. And so answering those questions over and over and over, it was like, you know, this seems like a, a real need that these that these people have, and there's really no one here to serve them. And they were sometimes getting bad information from other business owners or illegal information from other business owners. And I'd come in and be like, hey, actually, that's not legal. You can't do it that way. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was kind of like, I just wanted to, to protect these business owners and to save them from making some really costly mistakes or making some mistakes that could legit shut down their businesses. Um, And so as I kept answering those questions and I started talking to other people and and talking to some friends, I was like, what about this HR consulting? Like, should I do this? And girl, let me tell you, I don't know how many people said, Ashley, we told you to do this like three, four years ago. What are (laughs) you doing? And so it just kind of naturally came around that I had to go through this experience with my photography business in order to find that, yeah, this was a need, people needed this type of information I had to offer. And I had found kind of my people, my tribe, to be able to support them and to, to really help them in this transition in their business, because it's, Really scary, and it can be super intimidating, and it's it's confusing, and there's a lot of terms out there that, unless you know what you're searching for, you might never happen upon them. Uh, so that was kind of my transition from photography into HR consulting, and I did officially uh, shut down my photography business because my HR consulting business just—I really wanted to pour my whole heart and soul into serving these people and I still do photography but that's for me on the side
0: (laughs) yeah I think that's great though that you recognize that this thing you thought was like a business idea it was really more of a hobby and that's what you enjoyed it as and you didn't try to force it for very long into being a business and making you money yeah and have that for yourself
1: Yeah. You know, and I think that's what happens sometimes to entrepreneurs or small business owners is that they do try to force things for too long. And you don't have to stay stuck in something that you're not making progress in, that you're hating worse than your nine to five. (laughs) Um, You know, it's okay to just say you're not quitting. You're just making strategic decisions. And for me, that's what it was. It wasn't that I was quitting this. It wasn't that I failed at this. It's that I decided that this was not the direction I wanted to go. And I think a lot of times people get confused between quitting and making a strategic decision.
0: Yeah. And you weren't afraid to take the thing that was your nine to five that I think a lot of us are like running away from and make that into a business that you could run the way you wanted to Instead of saying, I'm going to go a totally different direction because I don't want to be in that sort of nine to five, even like anywhere near it anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I kind of look back and giggle on myself is that I feel like when I did leave corporate, I was very much running away But I look back on it now and I thought I was running from HR, but I really was running from that corporate structure, that corporate environment. And I love being able to make decisions on the fly and to change things if something's not working or to serve my clients the way that I feel is best and not having to go through 83,000 layers of red tape. Um, and so having that, that nimbleness and that flexibility and being able to really take the skills and the training and the gifts that I have learned over the years and, and make that fit into the creative world. Oh my gosh, I love HR. I'm such an HR nerd, like it's <laughs> really bad. <laughs> and, so, and so it's, it's funny that I, I was able to bring those Things, those strengths along, and really just craft this cool little job for myself where I get to do all the fun, nerdy HR things that I love in a way that feels good and feels right to me and to my clients.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the topic, which is building a team that supports your business mission. So if there are small business owners out there who are thinking about hiring someone in their business, what you know, what is it that they should start with in, like, before they actually start asking people for resumes or whatever, what do they need to figure out before all of that happens?
1: Well, the most important thing to figure out first is if you really actually need to hire someone. And I say that because I've talked to a lot of Quote potential clients, um, who sought me out to help them hire someone for their team. And after we have that first initial twenty-minute strategy call, I realize, you know, you're not really ready to hire someone right now. You don't actually need to hire someone. You need to get these particular systems or processes in place. And that's where I see a lot of people almost kind of jumping the gun. You'll hear a lot of people say, "Oh, you should hire a team. You should hire a team. You you need to hire before you're ready." and I can buy into that to a certain extent, but I really think that you've got to get your business working for you first. And what I mean by that is getting good systems in place, getting automation in place. And what this is going to do is twofold. Number one, it will help you extend that time between you actually needing to hire someone. And number two, it will help you onboard the people that you hire much more easily and much more quickly. And so if you get your systems and processes and your automations in place first, you are going to save yourself a thousand times worth of headaches, I promise. So that's the first place I always start with clients or uh, if somebody's asking questions in a Facebook group, I'll say, yeah, do you have, you know, a process for that? How would you train somebody to do what you do uh, if you're going to delegate that? Because a lot of people are scared about delegating. And part of that Nervousness comes from not having a written process. And it's that simple. And you know, you don't have to sit down in one day and write out every single process in your business. Like, I wouldn't even do that. That's daunting. Um, But if you just every day that you're doing something, okay, today I'm writing a blog post. Let me just write out the steps that it takes me to get this blog post from idea in my head to published and promoted? What does it take me to do all of that? And what are the steps in that process that I could outline for delegating to someone else? And if you go through this process and you just write down one process a day, then you're going to have all of those in place and ready to go whenever you're ready to hire your first employee.
0: Yeah. And I have heard people say that if you need to have those processes in place, like written down somewhere, even if you're not hiring, because mm-hmm. what happens if something happens to you and somebody needs to, you know, get in touch with your clients and just let them know she's going to be away from her computer for a week or, you know, some, you need those processes written down somewhere that somebody else can find and help you out when that need is needed.
1: Absolutely. I call that contingency planning. That's the big fancy corporate world
0: word (laughs) (laughs) for it. But
1: basically, even if you just have a very basic one sheet document that if something did happen to you, I mean, you never know. You could be in a car accident. You could be pregnant with your first child and go out two months early because you have to be put on bed rest. You could. Uh, you know, end up falling ill and being in the hospital unconscious. And so if you have that one page document and you share it with a biz bestie uh, or a parent or a friend, somebody that's that can be, you know, reliable and trustworthy, you need to have those important things on there. Like what bills are coming up and how do we pay for those? Who do I need to reach out to? Who's my current roster of clients? And you can easily update that weekly or monthly. Uh, You know, it doesn't have to be every single process in your business, but maybe they can throw up a post that says, hey, we're really sorry. Samantha's going to be out of commission for the next two weeks. Uh, You know, we appreciate you hanging around with us, uh, but that's why we're going to be silent for a couple of weeks. You know, just make a really super simple one-page document process that you can hand off. And it might be easier to give it to a biz because we all know these tools that we use. And I I can't imagine my mom trying to go in and, and, you know, update my Trello board or something like that. Um, But, you know, make sure that you get with that person and they understand what tools they're using, who they need to contact and how to handle something. If you're out of office.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. So if you have created your processes and you've actually decided that you need to hire somebody, what is like, what is the rest of that hiring process? Like an outline of how that works?
1: Yeah. The first thing to start with is a good solid job description and I will preach job descriptions till the day I die um, because they are a multifaceted tool that can help you in so many different ways in your business. I actually just wrote a blog post all about, you know, the five important benefits of how a quality job description can help you in your small business and that it's not just a big corporate type of document. So starting off with your quality job description is absolutely, absolutely where I would recommend you begin because... What this does is it helps you outline exactly who it is that you're looking for. And it keeps you focused when you're interviewing for that position. It helps you develop those questions so that you can hire the right person and not just the person that you get along with best in the interview process. Um, The next thing I would say is to make sure that you outline your interview process really, really well. A lot of times where I see folks get stuck is that they didn't realize how complex the interview process was going to be if you're interviewing multiple candidates. And things can fall through the cracks pretty quickly. And then you've got you know candidates calling you and emailing you and asking you all these questions and you're like, I don't know. So really sitting down and taking some time to be thoughtful about the process. Am I gonna do a phone screen? Am I gonna do an in-person interview? Am I gonna do a Skype interview if I'm you know, hiring someone remotely? Um, how am I gonna determine whether somebody was a good candidate or not? Um, so having some sort of set interview questions and rating scale will really help you be successful in that area. And then how am I going to follow up with these people? Am I sending, you know, decline letters? Am I calling them and saying, hey, thanks for interviewing with me? Unfortunately, we've decided to go in a different direction at this time. Uh, So what are some of those things that you need to be thinking about ahead of time? And then making sure that you have a plan to onboard this person once you have completed the interview process and selected someone. And so those are kind of the most key, you know, elements of bringing on your first team member. And that can go for an independent contractor or that can go for an employee. Things are going to be a little bit more complex with hiring an employee. Um, But, you know, you can have a very similar process and just have a plan because you know what they say, if you fail to plan you plan to fail and i promise you the process is going to be a lot harder on you if you don't have at least a skeleton plan put together
0: yeah so <laughs> you mentioned having a job description so what should we include in that i know that when i you know was hired for my first job i was a lifeguard it was basically guard the pool and clean and <laughs> <laughs> like collect money so yeah are we just <laughs> listing tasks are we listing you know personality traits that we think we need? How does that work?
1: That's such a great question, Samantha. <laughs> and one I get all the time. Um, there are several components to a really thorough quality job description. Um, but the things you absolutely need to include are the essential functions. Now, when I say essential functions, these are the things that you absolutely must do in order to be successful in this role. It doesn't mean that it's all inclusive. Please, please, please do not write a four page job description, outlining every single detail. <laughs> and on Tuesday, you're going to drive down to the post office. And once you get to the post office, you're going to unlock the box. Like, no, just don't, <laughs> um, that, that gets a little overwhelming for you and for your potential candidates. And you don't want to overwhelm them right out of the gate because they're going to be like, yeah, no, I'm not working for this crazy person. (laughs) Um, But you want to outline things that happen daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly. Uh, You know, if you're hiring for someone to come onto your team in your your position, Samantha, maybe you have a junior designer that you're hiring to come in and work with you in, in your business. Things like you know, responding to client inquiries within 24 to 48 hours would be an appropriate thing to put on a job description. Um, You know, reviewing client proposals and drafts. Um, Maybe they're responsible for posting to social media and, you know, tracking those metrics for you each week. Those are all essential tasks and important tasks to put on your job description. As far as personality characteristics, I refer to those as competencies. What are the competencies that you need for this individual to have? So attention to detail, um, you know, client relations, um, you know, maybe they need to be organized and have good time management skills. Those are the types of things you want to put on there. If they're bubbly and outgoing, that doesn't necessarily make a difference. You know, they might be somebody who's a little more reserved. They might be very introverted. They might be a very quiet person somebody very different from myself. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that they're not the best or the right person for this job. So it's really important to look at the skills and the characteristics and the qualities that you need for this person to be successful. Um, you know, you might be someone who is very detailed and very organized and you've got a great plan in place, but you might need to hire somebody else who can bring that creativity to your team or that can bring, um, you know, an outgoing type of personality who can go to networking events or who can engage with people in Facebook groups on behalf of your business, or, you know, somebody who has a very different skill set than you as far as characteristics. And so that's where you can use those competencies. So we've got essential functions, we've got competencies. You definitely want to make sure, are there any requirements that you need for this person to have coming into the job, education or experience wise? Samantha, you would not want to hire me as a designer, even though you like (laughs) me, even though we're friends, you're like, Ashlyn's a great person. She's so fun and bubbly and outgoing and blah, 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 blah. Great. Well, I don't know a lick about design. Okay. So we can't just let everything be based off of personality and how much we like, or we engage or interact with people. We have to have some things there of substance. And so you might say, you know what, I'm okay hiring a college, you know, student who worked part-time for me, who's learning these skills, but they've got to have already been through their first two years because that's where those basic Um, fundamentals are learned, you know, design 101 and art 101 and all of these basic um, types of foundational pieces that are going to help you then bring them into the fold, and they're already going to understand design techniques and design terminology and things like that. So what education is required? What experience is required? And if you just tackle those, you know, few key points there, you are going to have so much better success finding the right person the first time instead of putting out a job description that says must love pink cupcakes and puppy snuggles. I mean, don't we all?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in that case like if I were looking for a junior designer or if a copywriter is looking to bring on someone to do that sort of thing, can we ask for a portfolio or work samples? Can Absolutely. We- Absolutely, and you should be. And can you ask people to sort of do a project that you assign to them like a a brief something to sort of see if they're going to be able to work with your type of clients if their portfolio doesn't fit that necessarily?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great point, especially in the creative world that we're in is because you, you may not have something in your portfolio that demonstrates your ability to do X that this person is hiring for. But maybe that's because that's the only type of work you've you know really been showcasing. Um, or maybe that's the best of the best projects that you've worked on. And so I absolutely think that it's key for you to be able to determine if this person is going to be a good fit for your business. And so a skills test or a skills assessment could easily be something you implement into the interview process. I would recommend, you know, you could either do it before your, you know, official interview and have them send over a sample. So for a copywriter, they might want to have somebody send over a writing sample and they may give them a prompt to determine how can they think on their feet. So if I'm talking to you today, Samantha, and I'm a copywriter and I'm hiring you know, a junior copywriter for my team, I might say, okay, Samantha, our interview is on Friday. I'm going to send you this prompt today, and I want you to send this over to me before our interview on Friday, because I want to see how you think on your feet. I want to see if you can take an idea or a concept or a topic and write a fully constructed and well-thought-out piece, because in the world of copywriting, things move quick. You might not have six months to sit on a topic idea and write a piece. Um, you may be turning around blog posts in just a few days or a week. Uh, you may be having to turn around sales copy in just a week or two. So it's important that you are able to test them for what's essential for your job. And so think about what are those things that they're gonna be called to do and what kind of time frame are they gonna be called to do it in. And you may not have them write a full-fledged blog post in a day, but you might have them write, you know, a series of five or six Facebook posts off of this topic. What, What do they come up with? What do they write? How do they connect that topic? And you can also see, did they even research the company that you asked them to write this for? So you may even get specific and say, hey, I want you to write these five blog posts about this client that I've been working with that has a business where they make toddler t-shirts and they've got to come up with a whole series of Facebook posts for this toddler t-shirt company in one day. Um, So it's a really cool way to be able to just test whether they have the skills and they can follow through on the timeframe that you're requesting of them as well.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like your interview process, we shouldn't be afraid to have sort of an extensive interview process. You don't want to just get on the phone, ask a few questions and decide that because you like somebody, they would be a good fit. You have to be able to do more than that, which I think is probably scary for a lot of small business owners because we've never been on that side of business before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Scary is a good word to use for it. And it can be. Um, I I know it's probably not a common or a popular opinion. As a matter of fact, I know it's pretty much not. But I don't believe in the hire fast, um, you know, kind of vibe that people have going on right now. I think that you really need to take your time and think through what you want from this person and find the right person that's best for your business. Because what you don't want happening is what I see happening with clients who hire fast. They're hiring again, and again, and again, for the same position, because they didn't get it right the first time. And to me, that can be really discouraging for small business owners thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get this right. Yeah. You need to take a little bit more time and not just hire the first person you talk to or hire only one person that you've ever talked to or hire your best friend because you're best friends and you want to work together. Um, You know, you really need to be thoughtful and be strategic and take your time to hire the right person. Can you do it in two or three weeks? Absolutely. Um, Do it does it take some people longer? Two, three months? Yeah. But to me, I would always rather hire the right person who can grow with my business, who can become an important part of my business, and who can be with me long term versus just hiring off the cuff uh, and not putting any real thought into it because you're gonna look unprepared you're probably not going to hire the right person and things are going to be a lot more difficult for you to manage, especially when that person doesn't work out and now you've got to make some really tough decisions.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. The company that I used to work for was really in that hire fast mentality and I saw people come and go so much because they weren't taking the time to hire the right people and when it Mm -hmm. was the right person, it was just kind of, luck of the draw. They happened to luck out on a person that worked out and not because they had spent all of the time figuring out what they wanted to look for.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's where I think a lot of people in, in our online business world, they just jump to hire and they skip over the whole part. Well, do I need to hire? Should I hire a contractor or should I hire an employee? What kind of tasks do I need them to do? How am I going to, you know, manage this person? How am I going to check in with them? What kind of communication are we going to have? So the whole planning phase, that whole foundational element is skipped over. And this is why we find small businesses who are struggling with the team that they have, or they're upset because the person isn't really the best person. And there's really, I'm going to say it, folks, I'm going to say it. There is no one to blame but ourselves. (laughs) And I have been there. I have been there. Trust me. Uh, You know, I I spent 10 years hiring people and those first couple of years, they were rough, y'all. They were rough. (laughs) And so, you know, you learn the skills as you go along, but take the advice and you have a, a lesser learning curve, and and you won't make a lot of those forehead slapping mistakes that that you see happening out there, and that I have I have definitely made myself.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned that you need to figure out if you want to hire a contractor or an employee. So can you talk a little bit about the difference of between those and how each can work with your business?
1: Sure. Contractors and employees often get confused in our world, and people refer to their team and a lot of times they're referring to their team of contractors and the government doesn't really like us to use the word team when we're referring to contractors, but I'm not going to get too nitpicky over that because I I know that the idea and the premise behind that is that we're building this people, the support system of people who are really cheering on and and wanting our businesses to be successful. But when you hear people talking about a team, they're not always talking about a team of employees. They might be talking about a team of contractors. And one of the best places to start when you're hiring for your small business is to start with contractors because you can use them on a short-term basis. You can use them on a project by project basis. If you have really busy seasons, you can hire during those really busy seasons. And then you're not committed to having this person around all year long, which is a really big commitment for a lot of small businesses who still have those very up and down fluctuating months, right? Yep. So when you're thinking about hiring for contractors, these are people who can do specialized things for your business, like hiring a designer, Samantha, or hiring an HR consultant, or hiring a copywriter to write your sales page. But when you're thinking about things in your business that you're going to need on an ongoing, consistent, regular basis, a lot of times it comes up that you need a personal assistant in your business, that you need... Uh, Someone who's actually going to be on your team as a junior designer. That it's not work that you can contract out any longer because it's, the actual core work that you're doing in your business and when it comes down to the core work in your business that's when you need to think about hiring an employee Um, there's a lot of different technicalities about hiring contractors and employees and I could talk about this for probably the next three hours but (laughs) I don't want to bore everybody to death with it Um, but there are some very very specific um, legal restrictions on what you can do with a contractor. So you can't control the way in which they do their work. You can't control the tools with which they use. Now, if they agree to use the tools that you use, that's fine. But you can't make them use Trello if they use Asana. Um, And you can't dictate when they do their work. So it's a very hands-off type of relationship. And so a lot of people think hiring a contractor is easy peasy. I just go out there and I hire whoever my friend hired and we just go on down the road. But you still need to be very strategic about who you're hiring as a contractor because you want to make sure that they're going to be able to do the work that you need for your clients and to help you run your business because you're not going to be able to and you shouldn't be training them. They should come to you fully trained and ready to go hit the ground running. Now, you're gonna pay a higher hourly wage premium for these people or project premium for these people. But the good thing is, is they'll be able to come into your business and help you. And you're gonna be up and running much faster than if you hired someone off the street who doesn't have a lot of experience or expertise
0: for a lower wage rate. Do you have any specific questions? Because I know we can go about a thousand <laughs> different directions with this. <laughs> I, I don't have anything specific. I know there's like tons of different sort of guidelines to follow. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a totally different topic. Um, but I think it's good to think of really the t- not dictating the time or mm-hmm. how they do their work. Those are really simple ways to look at it. So mm-hmm. if you want someone to design for you and they have to be available, like from nine to five every day, that's mm-hmm. probably more of an employee than it is a contractor.
1: Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, if you are, I've, I've seen a couple of people talking about hiring like an intern and thinking that that is free work. Is that actually the case?
1: If everybody can see my face right now, it's the emoji <laughs> that like is, has his mouth wide open and his little hands on the side of his face going, ah, oh no!" <laughs> y'all just don't hire unpaid interns. Just don't, um, for most businesses in the online space that we're in, you don't qualify to hire an unpaid intern. And I know that's super hard to hear. I've got a couple of reasons here for you. Why? So, unpaid interns were designed mostly for the nonprofit industries and for publicly traded businesses who had these big companies that had lots of resources. And so, an unpaid internship is designed for the intern to really get just an educational experience in the public sector world or as more of a volunteer type basis for the nonprofit world. It was not designed for small for-profit, privately held businesses, a.k.a. you and I, (laughs) to get free labor. And it does violate the Fair Labor Standards Act. And so y'all don't want to be violating federal law. That's not going to be good for you, I promise. And there actually are six criteria that the Department of Labor lines out for hiring an unpaid intern. And just when you're reading through those six criteria, you have to meet every single one of them. There's not like, oh, if I meet this and I don't meet that, then I can have an unpaid intern. You have to meet every single one. And so some of those criteria are that you have to provide this as an educational opportunity. That this person might actually be more of a hindrance to your business than a help. That they can't be doing work that you would actually hire an employee to do for you in your business. So no, they can't be managing your social media and they can't be answering emails and they can't be doing these things that help you run your business. And so that's where a lot of people right now have got some really bad, incorrect, illegal information. (laughs) There's really no nicer way to say it. Floating around there, out there on the internet. And and that's where when you work with someone who's been in, in HR for the last decade and you know, I've, I've got certifications and training and, and all of these things that, that can show you that I know what I'm talking about. And I know that if you're hiring an unpaid intern, it is 95% sure that that is illegal for you. Um, unless you meet those criteria of public sector and, you know, that's being traded on the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. And I'm pretty sure most of us aren't being traded on, on the Stock Exchange right now. <laughs> Um, or if you're a nonprofit business. And there may be some of those folks listening to this podcast. So if you are a nonprofit, you've got some different rules. Don't worry if you have unpaid interns. Um, But for most of us, unpaid interns actually are an illegal practice. Now, I told you I would give you two different viewpoints. So that's viewpoint number one, where, you know, you should just be following the federal law. And viewpoint number two is something that we talk about a lot in in our world, Samantha. And it's charging what you're worth. Okay, let's take this one step farther. If we're not paying our interns, are we giving them what they're worth? And to me, it's saying, oh, yay, I can charge what I'm worth and I don't have to pay this intern over here and this is amazing. Well, doesn't that intern, aren't they worth something? What's the value of that intern to your business? And so to me, this not only is a a federal and a legal type of topic, this is also a heart topic. I'm not going to bring someone in my business to just do free labor for me. And I get all the gain and all the glory. And I say that they're getting an educational opportunity. But if you're really that busy that you're bringing an intern in, you probably don't have a lot of time to invest in them from an educational perspective. So you might give them a little bit, you might kind of give them some guidance here and there, but you're treating them more like an employee and not like an educational opportunity. They're not sitting in a classroom. They're not shadowing you all day long, learning every step that you do in your business. They're doing that tedious work or they're doing that administrative type work or they're doing that work that you hate doing and you're not paying them for it. And to me, that's kind of shady.
0: Yep, I would agree. I know (laughs) I went to school for architecture. So when we graduated, we had to do an internship. And I know that they had mandated that all internships had to be paid for that reason. They were like, you're not going to sit and draw toilets all day and not get paid for it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. I mean, I can't even imagine getting to sit and draw toilets all day. That's incredibly
0: fun. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I stayed away from it. I decided to go a different direction.
1: (laughs) They were like, I'm not the toilet drawing queen. I mean, I
0: jam over here.
1: (laughs) But I, I'm glad that, that they did that because a lot of schools don't really educate their students on the legalities of paid and unpaid internships. And they just leave it to these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids to decide what is right and what is not right. And a lot of times, unfortunately, the students get taken advantage of. And um, you know, if I can help these students avoid being taken advantage of and I can keep our small businesses safe, through legal hiring practices, then I feel like I've made a difference somehow. Yeah.
0: So is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to cover as far as building a team for your business?
1: You know, one of the most important things I always talk about with my clients too is culture. Um, and we didn't really touch on culture very much today. And that's something you can start building now, even if you're not ready to hire a team. And what I mean by culture is having your core values in place, deciding what is important, not just for you and your business, but what's important to serve your clients. What's going to be important when you have team members in your business? And how do you all work together? How do you serve your client? How do you navigate the complexities that come with being a small business? And having that cultural foundation and being able to say, you know, this was something we did in a past job that I really loved. I felt engaged. I felt that I was important. I felt like my voice was heard. This is what I'm going to do when I have my own team. Start writing those things down because when you start having your own team, it's really easy for the the, tra- the train to just fall off the tracks. It really is when you don't have a plan, when you're not being very thoughtful or very strategic about your culture. Culture doesn't just happen. Like, the google culture didn't just happen overnight it was very strategic it was very thought out it was a lot of conversations and it you know got they got a lot of feedback from their team members as they grew from this small tiny little startup company into this big conglomeration and that culture wasn't an accident that was a very intentional culture and so what do you want your culture for your business to look like do you want it to be very flexible and people can work whatever hours they want as long as they're getting the work done or do you need to have it a little more buttoned down because maybe you're an event planner and people have to be at the events it's not kind of like they can just come in and work whenever they want because events are happening and your staff needs to be there the servers and the line cooks and the you know whatever other people you might have working that day the event coordinator Um, So think about that and think about things like, how can I reward my team without always just throwing money at them? There's a lot of different ways that you can build culture and respect and, uh, you know, a team environment by rewarding your people through you know, public praise, or, you know, having an employee of the month, or you're having, you know, some sort of contest where your employees can get involved in something that's maybe not quite as business related. Or if it is business related, maybe it's, hey, if we reach this goal, we'll have a pizza party, or we'll, you know, everybody will get an extra day off this week, or whatever it is. Um, But think about that culture and think about those types of words, like fun, or flexible, or professional or what does that culture look like and start building that now because you're going to attract the people to your company by the culture that you demonstrate yeah they're going to want the pay yeah they're going to want whatever other benefits you might offer but they really are going to connect with the heart and the values and the mission behind your business and those are the people that you want on your team
0: yeah And that connects back to your clients, too, is if they can see that your whole business is acting out of this culture, they're going to know whether or not they want to be a part of that. Absolutely. And and I'm sure it makes hiring easier if you're like, okay, I want this really fun environment. And some of the people just don't seem like that's the way that they would work best. It's not that they Mm -hmm. are not going to do a good job. They just need to be able to thrive in the culture that you're creating.
1: Exactly, exactly. And the more clear you can get on your culture and your values and the way that you run your business, the more you're going to attract the people that you are going to work with best in your team and you're going to repel the people who are not going to thrive in that environment. And it's just like with an ideal client. We want to attract the clients that we're going to work best with. And repel the clients that maybe might not fit with us, whether it's because we really can't serve them or they have a different expectation of how, uh, you know, we're going to work together or whatever that is, you know, you've got to attract your ideal employees, just like you would attract your ideal clients. And a lot of times your ideal clients end up being your ideal employees as well, because they're so invested in what you're doing.
0: Yep. Okay. So how has serving your clients well in your business, um, how's that been important and how have you seen that come back for you?
1: Oh gosh. I, I just, lo- I love my clients. I mean, <laughs> I, I still constantly talk to the same, the very first client that I booked with Sprout HR when I started um, back in July of last year. So coming up on the one year anniversary of Sprout and you know, it's fun to be able to me serve someone who started off very nervous and and very hesitant and and not really sure what to do or what step to take. And she was hiring her first employee and and she was really quite overwhelmed. And to see her confidently, you know, taking these steps and she hired her team member and she's been leading that team member. And when, you know, issues have arisen, she's handled them like a champ. And, you know, we've talked about how should I do this and how should I do that? And okay, well, what about this? And what about that? And, and just to know that she comes back to me because she trusts me. Like, I think trust is the, is the biggest and the most um, fulfilling part of my job is that these clients don't just work with me once. They work with me time and time and time again, because they trust the information that I'm sharing with them. They trust the guidance that I'm giving them. They trust that I'm going to be there as a partner And I'm not going to nickel and dime them to death. If they're sending me a question I can answer in a couple of minutes, I'm not going to charge them for that. You know, to me, that is serving my client well. It's being that true partner for them. And they can feel like they have an HR department without having, you know, this big corporate structure. They've got the support. They've got the encouragement. I love cheering my clients on. That's one of my favorite things to do. And, And just helping them feel confident that they're taking these big scary steps the right way and that it's full of heart and that they are that they're having fun doing it because gosh I mean if you're not having fun you're doing it wrong
0: yeah and it's so fun to see clients really take what you've worked together on and just sort of launch from there and see them grow and where everything goes
1: yeah absolutely that's the coolest
0: (laughs) Okay. So tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life.
1: Oh, what am I loving? Gosh, I love lots of things, Samantha. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'll tell you this business one that I'm loving. So I was on Insta stories the other day and my girlfriend, Jenny Krause, some of you might know her. She lives in Germany. We've been best friends since we were 12 years old, growing up in Southern West Virginia. (laughs) Um, But Jenny was on Insta stories and she was sharing Her client calendar, which was really, really cool. And what she was doing was she set up a whole separate Google calendar where she had the client time frame kind of outlined. And so she could see in the glance of this one calendar where each of her clients were, and how many clients she currently had in process, and when their projects were ending. And I was so inspired by that. I had to set up my very own. And it's so much easier to just glance at that calendar and say, hey, I've got two projects ending next week, I've got another project ending the following week, and here's when I can take on another new client. And so I think anything that we can do in our business to simplify things and to make it easier for us to Um, you know, navigate this crazy, hectic, we're a one-woman show most of the time, um, then that's definitely an important tool to be able to do. And the second thing that I'm loving right now, hmm, I'm loving the fact that it's summer and travel season and I'm a huge adventurer. So I've got tons of little weekend getaways (laughs) and trips planned. So I'll do a business and a personal. Um, So I'm really looking forward to some like day trips and weekend trips and just getting out and enjoying this beautiful weather that we're having. And I'm I love being outdoors and I love having that camera out and shooting landscape photos and architecture photos and uh, just really enjoying life and making sure that I'm taking time to enjoy the things that I love doing and not just be a hundred percent business a hundred percent of the time, because you've got to have a good balance between business and pleasure. And so, yeah, you may work hard, but you better be out there playing hard too. So make sure that you're taking some time for yourselves you know, in your business and that you're getting your things done and taking care of your clients and loving on them well, but make sure you're taking care of yourself and loving on yourself and doing the things that light you up inside too.
0: Okay, so what are you excited for that's coming up in the future and where can people find you online? I am so excited
1: to be working on my first course and it is going to be all about Getting started with hiring, it is gonna walk you through the steps that you need to take in order to create that um, initial plan, to write that quality job description, to get those interview questions put together, to create an interview process, to how are you going to choose the person and how are you going to follow up with them and how are you going to get them onboarded and I'm super super excited to be working on the beta plan right now for this hiring course and I cannot wait to share it with everyone when it is ready to go Um, you can find me online at SproutHR.co. You can find me on Facebook at Sprout HR, and you can find me on Instagram where I love hanging out and sharing behind the scenes in my Insta stories at Sprout underscore HR. Um, yeah, <laughs> I almost messed up there. <laughs> at Sprout underscore HR. Um, just keeping it real over here, y'all. That's <laughs> what we do. That is what we do. So you can find me in all those places online, and I love just kind of sharing tips and information and I love answering questions so if you guys have questions drop them in a comment of any old post and I would love to help you out
0: all right sounds good thank you so much
1: absolutely thank you so much again Samantha for having me on this has been so much fun
0: thanks for listening to process to profitability please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show